0: Um, I'm going to start a new series of messages for the month of December called Good News. How many of you have ever gotten good news before? How How does it make you feel when you get good news? How many of you have ever gotten bad news before? How is it that you're louder about the bad news than you are about the good news? You are far more animated about the bad news than the good news. There is something about good news. And uh, for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be talking about good news, because really, really Christmas, the gospel, it really is all about um, it really is all about good news. And I'm afraid that sometimes we can become so accustomed to the things that we sing about, the things that we talk about, the things that we celebrate around Christmas time, that we forget really just how significant and how important and how good news, how much good news this is for your life and for my life, but not just our lives, The lives of everyone, everywhere, in the entire world, for all time. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says, "...and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I love reading the Christmas story, and I love reading the different aspects, but this is probably uh, one of my favorite parts. When these shepherds they would have been they would have been as far as society and culture was concerned they would have been the on the lowest rung of the ladder they had the job that that no one else wanted they had the job that was unthinkable for for people of any status and yet they were the ones that the angelic host appeared to and when the angel appeared to them it's so incredible because the first thing he says is, don't be afraid, I've got good news for you. You ever wondered why the angel said, don't be afraid? You ever, you ever thought about that? Can you imagine? You don't, you don't live in Shlanga. You're not used to big bright lights. You're out in a field, you're shepherds. You're just doing your thing in the peace and the quiet of the night, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to you? When when, When the angel of the Lord appeared to people throughout biblical history, usually their response was to be afraid. There was something shocking about that moment when God burst into their existence, and the angel burst into their existence, and he said, don't be afraid. I have good news for you, and this good news is not just for you. It's for all People, As the angel began to speak to them, to them he said to them, listen, there's, there's coming, this Messiah. And as he comes, he's going to bring peace and he's going to bring joy to the whole world. And it's so crazy that as you read the biblical story of the birth of Jesus, you know that at the very time that the heavenlies we're coming together to declare the glory of the Lord. That there were those who were already who were already uh, planning, who were already planning to destroy him. There were those who were already threatened by his interruption into their lives and their power. At the at the very time that the angels were hearing the message of good news, there were those who already, before they even knew him and knew about him or experienced him, despised him because he threatened their hold on. The world, he threatened their power. And as you read the story of the birth of Jesus, and we read about this lowly baby in a manger, and we we read about these uh, these shepherds who would come to Jesus, and later the Magi who would come to Jesus, and we read about all of these things, and we read about the early childhood. Of Jesus, we see that his parents literally had to flee to protect his life because the power structures of the day were threatened by his existence. And as Jesus' life began to unfold in the town that he grew up in, In the community that he grew up, among those who should have known him the best, who should have seen his potential, who should have seen the hand of God upon him, as Jesus grew up among them, what we find is that some of the very first people to reject Jesus were the first people, some of the first people who would have received from his goodness, who would have received from his life. If you keep reading in the book of Luke, you, you come to chapter 4 and you read about the early ministry of Jesus. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 4 this morning as we, as we think about and we talk about the good news. Here's the thing I want you to see this morning. The news is only good when you're ready to receive it. There's something about having the right framework when it comes to news That determines whether or not it's good news or bad news to you. Yesterday, or not yesterday, Friday evening, um, we received some news. And it was, well, I'll just tell you. It was devastating news to me. We have been trying for some time, you know, uh, to get our visas. We've flown back to the States like uh, four times in the last year trying to get everything straight with our visas and we found out friday evening that our visa application had been rejected It's okay you can oh you can groan with me Um, don't worry. They're not kicking me out of the country tomorrow Or don't celebrate they're not kicking me out of the country. tomorrow. <laughs> whatever your framework is It's a process. We know it's a process. We've lived through stuff before but When we got the news, it just tells you something. It's only good news if you're ready to receive it. It's only good news in how you're prepared to receive the news. Because when I got the news, I'm just going to be honest with you. I would love to tell you that your pastor is so spiritual and he's so full of faith and he's so positive that I was just like, oh, that's wonderful. At least we know now we have an answer, we can move on. That's what I would have loved to have told you my response was, but that wasn't my response. I was mad. (laughs) Desiree, on the other hand, in her wonderful grace and peace, had the perspective to almost immediately say, Well, at least we're not stuck in limbo where we don't know because our application had been stuck for like nine or ten months. We didn't know what the answer was, and normally that's not the pattern. So at least we have an answer now. Now we can go back, and we can correct whatever needs to be corrected, and we can get an answer, and we can move on. That's good news because we were stuck before, but Randy in his flesh wasn't prepared to receive The news that there may be some more steps. I just wanted the answer right here, right now, my way, in a way that was convenient for me, that cost me the least, that was the least hard for me. Are you hearing me? It's It's only good news when you're ready to receive it. It's only good news when you're in the right framework, when you're in the right frame of mind, when you have the right perspective. The angels appeared to the shepherds why did he appear to the shepherds? Why did he not go to the kings? Why did, he, why did he not go to the synagogue? Why did he? The angel went to people who were ready to receive the good news. Well, I'll go over here. because sec- <laughs> The angel went to people who, who would have the perspective to receive the news. The angel said, this is good news and this is for everybody. And yet when you see Jesus' life unfold, see, I know if you, if, you think, if you were there that day when Jesus were on, do any of you ever put yourself in scripture like I'm a part of that story and you, you think about how you would respond and you would react if you were in that story? Do any of you ever do that? Any of you have that kind of imagination? I do that. I read the Bible, and I think about how I would react, how I would respond, who I would be if I were in that story. And I've told you this before. I'm always the hero. I'm always the good guy. I'm always the one who responds positively. I'm always the one who has faith. I'm always the one who believes in Jesus. None of you do that, right? And when you read Scripture, what you find, here's the truth. Many of us don't understand this. The truth is, More people who were on earth at that time who encountered Jesus rejected him than who received him. More people rejected the good news than received the good news. More people rejected the gospel as Jesus declared it than responded to it and surrendered their lives to it. When you keep reading the story of the life of Jesus. I I just want us to pick up Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19 uh, to you. It says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, And everyone praised him. So these people are receiving the good news. He went to Nazareth. Now Nazareth, that's his hometown where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church, by the way, just saying. It was his custom every Sabbath. Just saying. I'm I'm not implying anything. Every Sunday. I'm just saying. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. What a coincidence. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Everyone say good news. He anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight. For the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is Jesus. He's began his ministry. He's just been baptized in water, much like we have experienced today, publicly. Baptized in water. Gone back home to his hometown. Went to the the Sabbath. Opened the scroll. It just happened to be Isaiah. He went to the place where it was the prophetic utterance talking about the Messiah, talking about his identity, talking about who he was and what he was supposed to do. And he began to read these words that the prophet Isaiah had spoken about him hundreds of years before. And the Bible says that as he read these words, the response of the people in his hometown was to get mad. They didn't celebrate. They didn't say, Messiah has come. This is wonderful. The Bible says they got mad. In fact, they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Who does this guy think he is? He can't be the Messiah. We know him. Now, here at North Place, we've learned that when we read our Bibles, we don't just take a verse out of the Bible and decide what we want it to mean. We don't take a verse out of the Bible and say, oh, this is what it means to me. This is what I feel about it. We've learned together that when we read our Bible, we read our Bible in context. That means I don't just take a verse. I need to read the whole story so that I understand what's going on. And here's what we've learned together. We've learned that as we read the Bible in context, we don't just read a verse, we read a chapter. We don't just read a chapter. We read a book when we read the Bible in context, there's real truth in there that we can learn and that truth changes our life if you read chapter four in context. So if you go back to the earlier part of chapter four, we find Jesus has been baptized and then what does he do? He's got he goes out into the wilderness He literally is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And he goes into the wilderness, do you remember this? And when he's in the wilderness, the Bible says that he's tempted by Satan. How many of you remember that story? How many of you knew that that story was directly connected to when Jesus got up in his hometown and declared, this is my identity, I'm the Messiah? See, before he was able to publicly dis- di- distribute the good news to those around him, he first went into the wilderness and his identity was questioned. All of it is connected and linked. The news, the identity of Jesus was tempted he was tempted before he declared it publicly so when you go back and you read chapter four what you find is that there were three phases of this temptation process of the enemy in his life so before he declared the good news he had to embody the good news before he declared the good news the his identity was threatened by the enemy so he goes into the wilderness and the enemy tempts him three ways first of all the enemy says listen Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you. If you'll just if you'll just surrender to me, you go home and in your daily 20 this week I want you to read chapter 4. The enemy says, "Listen, Jesus, here's the thing. If you will just if you will just surrender to me, I will see all of this, see all of the wealth of the earth, I will give it to you. If you will exchange your identity, if you will exchange your glory if you'll just give up, if you'll just compromise a little bit i will give you all of the wealth of the world here's the thing that i want you to understand the good news of the gospel of jesus christ is not about accruing wealth in this life why was the gospel not good news to those who jesus declared it to who rejected him It's because they were looking for a Messiah and they were looking for a king. They were looking for a gospel. They were looking for a church. They were looking for a Jesus who would make them rich. They wanted a gospel that was grounded in the wealth of this world. And so isn't it fascinating that the first temptation that Jesus was encountered with by the enemy was the accrual of wealth in this world. The enemy said, just compromise the gospel a little bit and make it about accruing wealth and good stuff in this life. Jesus, if you'll just compromise a little bit, I'll give you all the wealth of the world. Jesus said, I will not do it. Ever since the time of Jesus, the church has been tempted to compromise the goodness of the gospel, to exchange the goodness of the gospel, to cheapen the goodness of the gospel, to make it all about gaining wealth in this life. When you make the gospel about wealth in this life You are participating in the very first temptation that Jesus went through. Jesus said, I will not cheapen the good news to make it about wealth in this life because that's not what it's about. See, if your perspective, if your perspective is that The good news is all about me hitting the Jesus lottery and having good stuff in this life. When the good news is preached to you, it's not so good after all. It's easy to to reject it. It's easy to get mad and say, that's not what I bargained for. That's not what I'm looking for. See, it's this simple. The people who rejected Jesus rejected him because he wasn't the Messiah they were looking for. They were looking for a Messiah who would make them wealthy in this life, who would cheapen the glory of God for the plastic things that you can gain in this life that the Bible says will pass away. Did you ever ever get a toy for Christmas when you were a kid? And you had seen that toy, maybe you saw it, advertised on television or maybe you saw it in the package maybe you thought about it and you wanted that toy so bad and then you got it and you found out that it was cheap and it was plastic and it broke the first time you played with it come on let me see your hand whoever got a toy and it broke the first time you played with it because it was cheap because it was an imitation because it was fake, because it was poorly made, because it was not designed to last. Here's the thing, friend, wealth in this world and in this life was never designed to last. And so any gospel that is built around the accruing of wealth in this life will not work the second reason why those people rejected Jesus and it's connected to the second temptation that Jesus walked through is that the good news is not about building your own kingdom. The devil, go back and read this. The devil said, "Jesus, okay, you don't you don't want money?" You don't want money. You don't want material things in this life. But here's here's what I'll do. Jesus, if you'll just bow to me, if you'll just exchange a little bit of the glory of God and give it to me, just compromise a little bit, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll make you ruler over all of this earth. Wouldn't that be good to be in charge? Isn't it good to be in charge? The enemy said, jesus just just compromise a little bit of the glory of the of the gospel just compromise the good news a little bit i'll give i'll give you rule over this earth here was the temptation to exchange eternal rule to exchange god's position and place for his children in his kingdom to exchange that for a little bit of power in the moment now it's easy for us to read this perhaps in 2022 and think wow what was wrong with those people why didn't they have the perspective but understand the people that jesus would have been ministering to in his day many of them many of them were living in complete and total abject poverty many of the people that that would have first heard the gospel were living under Roman rule and Roman law. Many of them, their children had been sold into slavery. They were they were people who had been subjugated and objectified. These were these were people who didn't have a place in culture and society. There, as the Jewish people, they would have been under the rule of the Roman people. They were people who felt like who felt like they had no place in the world, no dignity in the world and so they were looking for a savior and they were looking for a messiah who would be a political and military ruler for them who would help them to overthrow Rome. And it may be easy for me and you to live in, a, in, in South Africa in 2022 and not understand. But we have to understand these were people who were living in bondage. And so it was very natural for these people to want a political and a military leader. In fact, the people who crucified Jesus, many of the reasons why he was rejected and crucified is because they had come to believe that Messiah was going to be a political and a military ruler. They crucified him. They rejected him because they wanted him to start a fight. And he wasn't there to start a fight, not in the natural. He wasn't there to win a battle in the natural because he knew this kingdom is going to pass away. So he wasn't going to stake his identity as Messiah on a kingdom that was going to pass away. You understand that when Jesus stood before the people that day in his community and he said... I'm here to proclaim good news. They said, You're not the one. We want somebody who's stronger. We want someone who will fight the battle. We want someone who will lead us militarily. We want someone who will overthrow the government. We want our own government. We want to be in control of things. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's not at all what I'm about. His second temptation was about becoming a political and was about becoming a military ruler and leader. And Jesus said, I'm not that. I'm not here to exchange the glory of God, the glory of an eternal kingdom for the glory of a momentary kingdom that will pass away. The third temptation, the enemy said, listen, Jesus, here's what, here's what you do. If you, if you will just bow to me, I'll give you I'll give you power over everything. The good news is not about becoming powerful. Have you ever felt powerless? On Friday when I began to read the letter of rejection for my visa, it reinforced every bit of powerlessness. I've ever felt. I've jumped through all the hoops. I filled out all the paperwork. I've done all the things multiple times. There's nothing I can do about it. I feel powerless. And you know what? My response in that powerlessness, my response is to get angry. My response is to say, what can I do about it? How can I change things? This isn't right. This is unjust. All the things rise up inside of me. And it's easy for us all these years later to read about those people who rejected Jesus and to say, oh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be one of them. I would have, I would have followed Jesus around. I would have been, I would have been with Mary. I would have been with James and John. I would have been one of his closest followers. I would have seen that he was the Messiah. I would have, it's real easy see ourselves as the heroes, but the truth is most of the people that encounter Jesus said, he's not who I'm looking for because who I'm looking for makes me feel powerful. Who I'm looking for gives me status. Who I'm looking for makes me feel important. Who I'm looking for gives me justice in this moment. Who I'm looking for frees me from the hand of the Roman ruler who I'm looking for, causes me to get the promotion at work. The Jesus that I want to serve, the Messiah that I'm looking for, means that I'm the business owner and that my business is winning over all those other businesses that are losing. The Messiah that I'm looking for, the God that I want to serve, is the one who makes me the winner and not the loser, the victor. Are you with me today? And yet Jesus, the Bible says over and over and over again, came in humility, came lowly. He allowed himself, he allowed himself to be executed all because he had a perspective of what really mattered. All because he was building a kingdom. All because he was already seated in true power that would last forever. He wasn't going to spend his time and his energy and his effort and his life scraping and clawing to bring power in this life because he knew this life will pass away. And if I exchange, if I exchange what I have in this life, what I know is that I can live in power in the life to come. Luke chapter 4, verses 24 through 27 says this. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Remember, they had told him, Jesus, we don't, we don't want you. You're not, you're not the one. You're not the one we're looking for. Who, who do you think you are talking to us like this? Who do you think you are reading the prophet Isaiah? You're just Jesus. You just grew up among us. We remember when your nose was snotty. We remember your mommy changing your nappy. We know all about your dirt. We know all about who you are. Who do you think you are? Jesus said, listen, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath. Think about that for a second. Jesus goes on to say, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, Syrian." Jesus says, in his hometown, a prophet isn't received. But let me point out to you, there were people who received from Elijah. There were people who received from Elisha. What made them different? What made that widow different from all of the other widows? What made that leper different from all of the other lepers? Jesus, the point he was making in this particular passage of scriptures connected to this entire chapter the point he was making was whether or not you have a heart to receive will determine whether or not you receive the perspective from which you're you're looking and listening will determine is it good news or is it bad news the message that Jesus was coming to proclaim was not one of earthly wealth it was not one of earthly government and earthly power the message that Jesus was coming to Proclaim was beyond this life. He said, I have come to give you freedom. And it's freedom that lasts. It lasts when you have and when you do not have. It's freedom that works even when you're persecuted or you're not persecuted. It's freedom that exists in your life, even when you're hurting or you're pained free. It's the kind of freedom that is beyond the existence of this life. See, the gospel is good news because it's news that transcends anything that happens in this life. Jesus had a kingdom perspective, and so when the enemy came to him, And the enemy said, Jesus, just compromise a little just so you can have wealth. When the enemy came to him and said, Jesus, just compromise a little bit so that you can be in charge. When the enemy came to him and said, just compromise a little bit so that you can feel powerful, so that you can be powerful. Jesus had perspective. He said, I'm not going to make that exchange. When he stood before his hometown and he said, I am him. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the Messiah that's preaching a gospel that's transcendent of every hurt, of every pain, of every heartache, of every question, of every difficulty. I'm the one with that message. I'm bringing that life to you. There were people there that day who, although they knew him, they didn't know him. Although they saw him, they could not receive from him because what they wanted, what they wanted, what they were looking for, Something in this life During this holiday season As you and I go into a very familiar time Where we will, we will have time with our family We will exchange gifts We will most likely read the story of the birth of Jesus We will, we will see and interact with people Who have a high receptivity To talking about spiritual things During this season may I encourage you May I encourage you to take a hold of the good news. And the good news is this. Jesus came so that we might have freedom. Not the kind of freedom that is dictated by your bank account. Because bank accounts, they come and they go. We all know about them going, right? (laughs) Especially this time of year. The kind of freedom that exists in your life, whether who you want gets elected or doesn't get elected. No matter what happens, no matter if I'm a slave, and by the way, God's people throughout human history have spent more time in slavery than anything else. Read scripture. Whether I'm a slave or I'm a free man, Who I am as a child of God doesn't change. Put me in chains, I'm still free. Bind me up, I'm still free. It doesn't change who I am. Freedom that Jesus offers us is that even when I'm powerless, even when I've done everything that I can possibly do, And I'm still sinking. He still commands the wind and the wave. He's still in control. He still has power. He's still God. And as his child, as his child, when I draw my last breath in this life, it's not the end. Because my identity, my eternity, it's secured in him. that's the transcendent nature of the good news that's the gospel that we preach the gospel that we preach isn't about getting rich in this life it's not about gaining power in this life it's not about happy go lucky life where everything just works out good if i do all of these things no the gospel that we preach is that jesus christ the son of god came into this he came into this life this earth this planet He loved you and he loved me so much. He saw your sin and he saw my sin. He saw your sickness. He saw my sickness. He saw my brokenness. He saw your brokenness. And he stepped into all of that and he provided an answer. He provided an answer that would transcend our circumstance. That's the good news. Question. Question is, is it good to you? question is, will you and I be like those shepherds and will we take that good news to others because we found it to be good for ourselves? Will we share the good news, Messiah has come? Will we run and everyone we can't find, can we tell them, Messiah has come? Or will we participate? Will we participate in the rejection as so many did in Jesus' day of true Messiah, of true good news?